back seat of a Ford Pinto. It's two middle-aged men in Cleveland. And now, here to change your oil and filter, Ted Klopp and Ken Dworsen. Well, we move into May, and that means episode 53 of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Ken Dworsnik, Ted Klopp, and Ted, I wanted to give you an update. I talked about it last week, and we had the opportunity to talk about I had a great draft day experience. I know you're very excited about this. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Tell me. First and foremost, hats off to the city of Cleveland for doing such a great job when it comes to the display how everything went with the event and all that. I had the opportunity to go on Saturday. It was absolutely beautiful. They really did a nice job to go on Cleveland Brown Stadium and watch my kids throw some footballs and kick some field goals. It was outstanding. Cleveland showed up, did a great job. Um, everybody was very classy. Everything was done extremely well. And when you have a performance like that, what does that mean? You'll have an opportunity in the future. And they certainly did that. So congrats, Cleveland. Such a great job. Well, I have a story for you. My youngest son at hockey practice last week got kicked off the ice. Oh, yeah. Wow. But normally that's reserved for, shall we say, conduct uh, detrimental to others on the ice. Sure. Say that. In this situation, my son was kicked off the ice for <clears throat> telling knock knock jokes. Telling knock-knock jokes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so a first. He, he uh, as it was explained to me by the hockey coach, he got to the front of the line at uh, one drill, and he was trying to tell the coach the joke. And the coach was saying, I don't want to hear the joke right now. You need to do this drill. And he wouldn't shut up about the joke. <laughs> so the coach told him to get off the ice. I talked to the coach later. I called him. He answered the phone. He knew it was me. And I said, knock, knock. He said, you're really funny. You're really funny. I said, have you ever kicked a kid off the ice for telling knock, knock jokes? He said, nope, that, that is a first right there. I said, okay. What do we got? What's the joke? Knock, knock. Who's there? I will say. I will say who? Why, yes, they do. Yep. That's that cost us 30 minutes of practice right there, pal. Yep. Well, yep. actually, it probably was worth it in his eyes. Oh, I'm so. sure. Never going to have another story like that one. No, but, that's uh, probably a, a one-timer, but that's good stuff. Yeah. That'll be a story I'll tell at his wedding someday. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That is classic. C- kicked well, off for a knock-knock joke. <clears throat> I love it. Coming up on this show... We're going to talk to the executive producer of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, David Page. He's got a new book out, so we're going to talk to him. Scott Sable from Fox 8 is here to play some forecast roulettes. We have some good news. We also have some Klops clips. We're going to tell you about uh, President Biden visiting a school to hear about virtual school. We'll tell you what the students told him, what they thought of virtual school, and I hate to kick a guy when he's down, but uh, we do have a misspeak of the week and it may or may not involve our president. Well, Ted, here's some good news. I don't know if people remember, but Ed Repepi, who was on episode 18, the man who does everything, uh, was on our podcast not too long ago. Well, on September 24th, his brother, Danny, lost his life in a tragic accident 
And it was just certainly a day that many people will never forget. Well, to honor Danny, the SRT K9 unit, uh, 501C, and Avery Pepe and Sons Funeral Home are sponsoring the Danny Repepe Memorial Concert on Wednesday, September 8th, 2021 at the Jacobs Pavilion on the West Bank of the Flats. Now listen to this. The Memorial Concert will feature multi-platinum recording artist Night Ranger. How about that? Including oh, wow. its own Boku and High Voltage, the nation's premier ACDC tribute band. Now this concert will be an annual celebration and will benefit many good causes throughout the greater Cleveland metropolitan area. The purpose of this memorial concert will be to honor Danny's legacy of giving back. Proceeds from this concert will be used to purchase four first responder canine units to be donated to various agencies in Northeast Ohio. How about that? This will include the dog equipment and the complete training. How do we get tickets? Where do we? Where oh, do we absolutely. Stop? Well, tickets are available as uh, you can go to www.bit dot ly backslash danny repepi that's d-a-n-n-y r-i-p-e-p-i and tickets are available starting friday may 7th from 10 a.m through sunday may 9th at 9 p.m that is for family and friends and if you go into Ticketmaster and put in the password danny you'll have the opportunity to get tickets now you also can donate items if you have something to donate you uh certainly can call 440 440- 260-8800. Can you buy tickets on that uh, phone number as well? You cannot, no. Okay, so tickets the phone are only available through the site and will be available throughout through Ticketmaster. Got it. So, so call- but there's also sponsorship opportunities. You could purchase VIP tickets of eight tickets, donating an auction item, or obviously simply just buy a ticket and enjoy some good old rock and roll. So what a great, great cause for, you know, certainly a tragedy for somebody Danny Repepe was a great guy. I got to spend some time with him. Obviously, everybody knows about Ed, but uh, certainly a way to turn something that is catastrophic into something that's great. Uh, certainly hats off to the Repepe family for coming up with this idea. Outstanding. Well, that definitely is some good news. Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV. You've heard me talk about their top-notch rental services, but don't take my word for it. Here are some Google reviews. The Ohio Society of Association Executives says not only do they meet every need we have, they anticipate additional services and requests that we have had and are always prepared. The Westside Catholic Center says the elements they added to our event enhanced every aspect of the evening. Very easy to work with, incredibly knowledgeable, and made adjustments on the fly. Whether you are planning a virtual or an in-person event, Westminster AV should be your first call for dependable, professional, audiovisual equipment rentals. Call today, 216-325-6960. Again, the number, 216-325-6960. Our guest today is an Emmy Award-winning television producer. He has created, developed, and executive produced shows including Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. He's also been a network news producer in London, Frankfurt, Budapest, and other areas of the world, covering some of the biggest stories in the world. Let's talk with David Page. Dave, thanks for your time. So... 
food and network news producer. And now uh, I should mention, and we'll talk about a little bit more, you have a book coming out on food. Is this a transition that you made from network news to food? Well, first of all, Ted and Ken, thanks for having me. Secondly, it was an evolution. Uh, what I'm doing now is journalism. My book looks into what we did to make an American cuisine. And what we did was we took foods from other countries and cultures and we changed them a little bit. Like we put ham and pineapple on pizza and <laughs> we called it American. And I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but the fact of the matter is everything we consider part of our core cuisine, we brought from someplace else. I had increasingly developed a real appreciation for the subtleties and the vagaries of foodways when I was working internationally. When I came back to the States, I continued to hold that fascination, only now I turned it toward American regional food, just as an intellectual pastime, until I needed a job and suddenly I was a food journalist. I decided I would try to approach the Food Network. So I started calling and pitching and getting rejected and rejected and rejected eternally. There was a very nice woman who was a programming executive there who was kind enough to take my calls and kept saying no. One day on about the eight bazillionth phone call, I had <laughs> pitched unsuccessfully on that call about, I don't know, three million ideas. And she finally, in frustration, said to me, don't you have anything else on diners? And I said, oh, yeah, I've got this show I've been developing called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And she said it was like a late Thursday or late Friday. She said, we have a meeting on Tuesday. Could you please get me a write-up by Monday? And I was ecstatic, but I had a problem. I had not been developing a show called Diners, <laughs> Drive-Ins, and Dives. I had just invented the phrase... And I spent the weekend uh, frantically calling around the country, putting together a proposal for a show. Hmm. I sent the pitch on Monday. They considered it on Tuesday. And a few days later, they commissioned a one-hour special. The situation for them was they had a guy named Guy Fieri who had won their Next Food Network star contest and they wanted to truly try to make him a star. And so what they did is they engaged a couple of the larger production companies, the big boys, you know, the ones who wear long pants, uh, <laughs> to come up with proposals. And in the interim, uh, as sort of a throwaway to keep Guy's face in front of the public, they commissioned my one-hour special. When it aired, it did quite well. And... Lucky for me, the big boys in the long pants failed. So they commissioned a very short first season of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. After about the second episode, they told me, one of their executives called and said, look, these two have done well. We really don't think there's going to be enough places for you to profile in America to get much of a series out of it, we might get a couple of seasons, we might get three. So <laughs> they renewed it. And I left after season 11, and I think they're in season 30 something at this point. David, what an impressive resume you have. I Thank had you. the opportunity to read a little bit of your book. 
With all your experience in journalism, and we have many people that listen to our podcast that maybe necessarily don't have a journalistic background. Can you explain what exactly an executive producer does? Well, editorially, the executive producer decides what the content is going to be. And then as the content is created, decides how to revise it to make it exactly what it ought to be. But at the same time, it is the executive producer who is responsible for the budget and making sure that the show comes in on time and on budget. It is the executive producer who's responsible for hiring a staff. It's the executive producer who is responsible for buying equipment for your control room or for your edit suite. The executive producer is the CEO of the enterprise. How long does that process take? Let's say that shows an hour. How long does that take to produce and put together? Take a show like Diners. Diners was done in such a way to amortize shooting costs by doing four segments at a time. Now, a show was made up of three segments, so there was a lot of checkerboarding going on. But I always looked for places where you could get multiple locations. So the best places for us to go were places that gave you reasonable access within an hour to restaurants in more than one state. Chicago is a good example because you can get to Indiana really quickly. It would take a minimum of six weeks for the research staff to come up with a list of potential restaurants. You had to make legitimate, real food from scratch. And the people running the restaurant had to be good television characters. It just means engaging people. The shooting, each location would be shot over a period of two days, one with the host, one without. Um, and we actually would shoot at two different places the day that we had the host to maximize his time. When you got back with the material, it would take a couple of weeks to screen the footage and write the segment. And then it would take another two or three weeks to edit the segment together and refine it and refine it and refine it. Then you would compile the show. Then it was my job to go in with the post-production editor and decide what we could snip out and tighten and how we could get the show to the exact length it needed to be. Sure. So, so that's a relatively lengthy process. So I wanted to move in, obviously, to your book. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of what you talked about from the beginning. You're talking about food and breaking things down. Talk about how you came up with the idea of putting this together and actually the process it's taken you to put this together. The idea kind of forced itself out of my head. It had been gestating there for a long time. I picked a topic that was not one topic. I could have written a book about hamburgers or a book about lobster rolls or a book about ice cream. Instead, I decided to do a book about 12 such items without realizing that to some extent, each was going to require the same amount of research as a full yeah. book. <laughs> so the researching and writing took me two years. I was lucky wow. in one respect, which is that most of the big events 
I had wanted to cover occurred before COVID. I did get the opportunity to travel to San Francisco where I went to pizza school. While I was out in San Francisco, I went to dinner at eight tables where a Chinese meal for two costs a thousand bucks. The chef was kind enough to compass, although at the end of one of those supposedly free meals, you ask, how much would the bill have been? Because you have to tip accordingly. So you, you don't get away free. Yeah. But yeah. but he is in the vanguard of something called Chinese 2.0, which is a reinterpretation of Chinese cuisine. I also had the opportunity out there to interview Cecilia Chang, who shortly thereafter passed away in her apartment overlooking the Pacific Heights of San Francisco. She was the most important person in the development of Chinese food in America. I also got to go to Memphis in May, the big barbecue festival in Memphis, Tennessee. And that was unbelievable. So you just go from tent to tent eating the most incredible barbecue on the face of the earth. And I was lucky. The folks at the shed in Mississippi had been on diners in one of our early seasons. I stumbled across the fact that they had won the grand championship the year before. So I got in contact with them and they were going back to try to repeat. And they said, sure, come on along, be a fly on the wall. So I got to tell much of the barbecue chapter through going and competing. And you can buy the book to find out if they won. Awesome. Thank you for the insight. I look forward to more on the book. Uh, can we get you to stick around for a little game time here? I would be delighted to. Well, Ken, this Sunday is Mother's Day. So I took the time to do a little research for our audience because I'm that kind of guy. And I have come up with a few unique Mother's Day options that I think you may want to consider, you and others. Okay. I appreciate this. Thank you. This is good looking out. I could I could find my gift for Awen and my mother. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. Our first item comes from the Brooklyn Vibe via Etsy.com. Mom will be flushed with excitement when she gets these earrings shaped like rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> these would have been handy during the pandemic, I think. Yeah, I think it would have been a bestseller, to be honest with you. Another one, the apologetic Mother's Day cookie, courtesy of eatmecookiecakes.com. If you want your mother to know how you really understand the sacrifice she made to make you the person that you are today, this rather blunt cookie will make sure she gets the message loud and clear because the message says, sorry for being the reason your bladder leaks. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Yep. Oh, my. That's a that's a that's now I I don't want to cast aspersions, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that this next item might be one that Eowyn would maybe enjoy the champagne. Bottle bong. Oh, okay. Bottle bong comes from dailyclub.com. Your mom surely needs a new bong for Mother's Day. Uh, those I never thought I'd say those words in that order. <laughs> but this champagne bottle bong will probably put her in a bubbly mood. I would imagine so. I just, wow, with the, that's a, I'd have to think about that gift. We'll now, have to think about it. Here's another one. Now, this, I, this is probably a gift for mom, but maybe it's a gift for the husband as well. I'm not sure. Alcohol okay. whipped cream. Oh, geez. Okay. Alcohol whipped cream. Make mom 
Her favorite dessert, kick it up a notch, courtesy of lickthewhip.com. We've got booze infused whipped cream. Wow. That could huh. things up and not just on Mother's Day, but uh, yeah, that's uh, so we'll just let you draw your own conclusions there, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we're moving along here, and then I've got my last item that I found. It's the Vladimir Putin toilet spray. Vladimir Putin toilet spray. <laughs> if mom likes to dictate the odors in the bathroom, Vladimir Putin is on the case and the bottle. This spray will allow her to have more control over the odors in the toilet room. I tell you, nothing, nothing says Happy Mother's Day than a Vladimir Putin mist. That's nice. Any of those jump out at you? That's a nice one. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to look more into the champagne bong. That always seems like a, you know, that could always be a winner. And the Vladimir Putin mist, man, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, well, if you get any of these, we'll have to do a follow-up. But uh, those are some unique Mother's Day gifts that I think everybody could consider. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Forecaster and weather man, guru of weather, Scott Sable. You know, I didn't ask you this because we didn't have you on when the uh, Groundhog Day happened, but how do you feel about being upstaged by a, a three-foot rodent. I've, I've made this perfectly clear on public television that I will fight the groundhog anytime, <laughs> any place. I haven't heard back from his representatives, but I'm okay. always, I'm willing to throw down. I know he's scrappy. I know he's a little older. That's the running joke. They made actually a graphic for the morning show and it's me fighting the groundhog, you know, disproportionate head to body with both of us with boxing gloves. It's hilarious. Well, I would think it'd be great if you could do some WWE moves on, on that, film. Yeah. That would be oh, outstanding. That would be great. Might get a little bigger. bombs. Yeah. Yes. Little trouble with, uh, you know, PETA and everybody else. But, yeah. it, you know, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. To do I like that. I like that. <laughs> Let's get to forecast roulette here. I'll spin the wheel and we'll see where we land this week. Here we go. All right. We're trying to stay in the continental uh, U.S. this time. And it's slowing down. Oh, we have another. I think we had sports the last time you were on. And this is Cooperstown, New York, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Have you been to the Baseball Hall of Fame, Scott? I have. I've been there twice. Um, wow. I tell you what, a beautiful area uh, just to go up there. Not during Baseball Hall of Fame weekend because there's so many people. If you don't like the crowds, but if you go up there in like the off season or maybe in September, early October, and it's still warm, I mean, you talk about just a picturesque town. Um, you know, not a lot of um, um, just just a relaxed feel. And the and the football hall of fame. I love this is kind of weird with me, but I love buildings that are asymmetric because it yeah. adds character for me. And this building is like asymmetric. There's nooks and crannies. They have you know before you turn the corner and there's a bat from such and such and. Um, it's the layout to me is one of the nicest, um, you know, sports museums, not that there are many of them, but just an unbelievable sports museum. One of the nicest I've ever seen. I've never been to the baseball hall of fame. I've been to the football hall of fame. I've been to the hockey hall of fame. I've been to the basketball hall of fame, but I've never been to the baseball. And from what I've heard, 
It's one of the best ones, to be honest with you. And what you can do too, let's say you, you can go down to the research area if you're real nerdy like me and you, you go in there. It's like going into like, remember the old the library, you would go back and, and they would say, okay, I want you know a copy of the reference or the microfiche from you know whatever. <laughs> they will give you some gloves. You put gloves on and they will bring out research material. I mean, they won't give you a bat that Babe Ruth used, but you can go out and, and they'll give you a, uh, an envelope that has, okay, baseball information from North Dakota. And you can go through wow. all the pictures and stuff. So it's really user-friendly and it's just a, a great time and so much huh. stuff to see. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that that's a part of it, but I guess where else would you house that history other than the Baseball Hall of right. Fame? How Makes sense. That? The other thing, question, I, since I've not been there and Ted hasn't either, isn't there a bunch of baseball fields? They have a lot of baseball tournaments there. Is that correct? They do, yes. And I have not seen the baseball fields, but I've seen Doubleday Field, which is right there in the middle of the town. And they do. They have they have the Baseball Hall of Fame game. It's a smaller field than major league distances, but it gives you a general idea. Of, and it, it allows for players to play there and, and gives you a really nice feel uh, because you see all these old homes in the background. And it, it's really neat. You can walk around. It's so easily accessible. Now, again, I haven't been up there in maybe more than a decade. So some of the accessibility might have changed. But it's, it's really neat. You got to make a trip up there. Spend a weekend up there. If you have a couple of days, it's just a great time. Hmm. What's the weather if any folks are heading there anytime soon? Little cooler. Temperatures up there generally in the 40s. Um, highly doubt they're going to get a whole lot of warmth here in the next week. They're probably looking at 40s, maybe low 50s if they're lucky. All right. Well, it's New York. What do you want? That's right. A lot of All good right. breweries up there, by the way, too, in case you guys want to wow. have a beverage. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Perfect. Never say no to that, right? I'm right really then? good at eating and drinking. I've done that for a long time. So. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> One of the All best. right. All right, Scott. Well, thank you very much. All right, guys. Have a good day. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Speak of the week now. Uh, President Joe Biden was speaking at a community college about the American Families Act yesterday and had a little confusion when it came to whose taxes or how much taxes would be taken to pay for this. Anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes. All right, Ken. Forget about taxes. No more April 15th if you're under 400 grand. It's what the president said. I think we should hold him to it. That's outstanding. I think everybody can get behind this. He may be the greatest president of all time. We all just got a raise. <laughs> I can't wait for when I get paid in the next couple of weeks and I'll, I'll see a nice raise for myself because I am done paying taxes. We are done, baby. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Unfortunately, for all involved, that is the misspeak of the week. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast 
right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Time for our game time segment with executive producer of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives and the author of Food Americana, David Page. His opponent is a man who has mastered the skill of using the microwave, Ted Klopp. Today's game is food trivia. Both of our contestants will get three multiple choice questions. You will each need to give an answer and you both can have the same answers. Today's winner will receive a great prize, the Ken Dworznik and Ted Klopp cookbook. This book is certainly not going to teach anyone how to cook anything, but it would sure teach people what not to do. So there we go. That's a terrific lead-in, Ken. Yeah, I figured as much. I mean, we're just throwing it out there. I'm completely stoked for this now. Yeah, yeah. Ed and I have spent a lot of time together, and we both know we cannot cook. That's why we. I was going to say, what is this ramen noodle uh, uh, recipe? That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, let's start with our trivia here. Question one: Which vegetable is also called a ladyfinger? Is it okra, spinach, garlic, or kale? David, you're the guest. You get to guess first. Well, the only cylindrical item there is okra. Okay, Mr. Klopp. Just to be different, what were the what were the choices again? Okra, spinach, garlic, and kale. I don't know. Just to be different, I'll go with kale. But I'm pretty sure he's correct. David's correct. It's okra. Yeah. yeah. One nothing. And, that and was quick. One of one of the uh, sushi chefs in the book makes southern sushi with okra. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. All right, we go to trivia question two. Which vitamin gives sweet potatoes and carrots their orange color? Ted, you get to guess first. Is it vitamin B, vitamin C, vitamin A, or vitamin D? Vitamin B. Okay, David? God, it's going to be embarrassing if I blow this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say C. Okay, you, you guys were close. It is actually, and I didn't know this either, it's vitamin A. Okay. Okay, now we're both humiliated. Yeah. Clearly, so neither one of us focuses on vitamins. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this I'm next one is... vitamin content when I go to order food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ahead, though, right? One to nothing? Sure. Uh, yes, yes. So the worst they can do is tie. That's right. So we go to question three. What is the top-selling spice in the world? Is it mustard seeds, pepper, cumin, or ginger? David, you get to guess first. The top-selling spice in the world. Ginger, ginger, ginger. Ginger. Ted? Uh, I'll go with pepper. Actually, the correct answer is ginger. So, oh, David, you are there correct. You go. Oh, right. Very impressive. That was the luckiest guess I've made in quite some time, based entirely on the population of China. Okay. 
Wow. Yep. All right. Well, hey, uh, David, if folks want to uh, find your book, where can they do so? And uh, any other projects that you have coming up that we should know about? I've got a follow-up book, but I can't tell you about it. I'd have to kill you. I do want to mention, <laughs> since you're in Ohio, that I've got some great Ohio stories in the book. The Hot Chicken Takeover story. Oh, That's cool. uh, the company that brought Nashville Hot Chicken to Columbus and Cleveland. The fact that you guys have surprisingly good sushi because of the auto plants in Japan. And, of course, Michael Simon's Barbecue Restaurant in Cleveland, where he's using local ingredients like that mustard you guys like what's that mustard called <laughs> stadium mustard yeah in his Stadium's in his barbecue mustard, sauce yeah. B- there it is that's he's <laughs> holding it up you can't see it because we're on a zoom call but he's this got the, the uh bertman's original ballpark mustard here at my desk that i use frequently now, i'm gonna have to try that i'm, gonna, I'm sure yeah. i can get that online yeah. uh the book's available any place you get books obviously amazon uh walmart.com barnes and noble bookshop I'm very proud of it. So I, I, I hope folks will give it a shot. Well, congratulations uh, on all your success. Uh, hopefully the book can be as successful as the TV shows that you've produced. And we wish you nothing but the best. And I appreciate, we appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. The most trusted name in journalism. Clops Clips. All right, Ken, it's time for Clops Clips now. A man caught at the JFK airport earlier this week. He was trying to smuggle 35 live finches from the oh, come on. They were stuffed inside plastic hair curlers and concealed in his clothes. What the... Come on. Kevin Andre McKenzie is the latest, but not the only songbird smuggler to be caught doing these things. These birds apparently are pretty coveted for high stakes singing contests in the Brooklyn and Queens area. So oh my. others who have tried, apparently earlier this month, there was a gentleman who tried to smuggle 29 live birds into JFK. In 2019, a guy from a Caribbean country tried to enter with 32 live birds. Oh my god. Another bird brain back in 2018 tried to smuggle 70 finches wow. in, into the country. That's so, insane. I I don't understand that. Up to 20 years and or 25 and or uh and, and fine as well. Well, I, I guess I guess we'll have to do more research. What does high stakes singing contest mean? What is that? I don't I don't know what that means. Like you bet on a you betting on a bird? High stakes. High stakes. Clearly a game I will not be taking part in. No. Okay. Well, let's move to government issues now. A House subcommittee hearing delayed on Monday. When audio from the movie Galaxy Quest was playing in the background of the meeting, which was over a Zoom call and streamed live online. Stop me if you've heard a story like this before. Problems with Zoom. No, we keep going. So this sci-fi comedy was, the audio was playing in the background of the meeting and 
then they switched to disco music from the village people. <laughs> 22 minutes Change the mood. until a recess was called and the problem was fixed. A spokesman said the audio was the result of a problem with the house recording studio and the members of the subcommittee couldn't hear it. And he went on to explain that this was not a member loudly watching television with their microphone on. Oh, so my. This... 22 minutes of this. 22. Galaxy Quest to YMCA, baby. Yep. I love it. That's awesome. Young man, there's no need to feel down. All right. Well, Joe Biden, we talked about him in the misspeak of the week. He visited a Virginia fifth grade classroom along with his wife, and they talked to students about virtual learning. This particular school is now back in class four days a week. The president asked students what they thought of virtual school. Well, one said he really liked it, aside from the technical lifters. Another student noted that, quote, if we were really tired, we could take a little nap. <clears throat> Another student said it was okay. I didn't like virtual, but I like being back. Another student noted, sometimes when Miss B was paying attention to something else, you could eat, and it was fun. Now, those, 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 items, those quotes of feedback are pretty good. This is my favorite. And again, reminder, this comes from fifth graders. <clears throat> One fifth grade student said, quote, if you don't know the question, you can just pretend your mic doesn't work. <laughs> So, clearly, virtual school has been a rousing success because kids have learned how to sneak naps, sneak food, and pretend that they don't know the answer to the question by turning their microphone off. I want to meet this student. He's a genius. Absolute, Absolute. genius. No doubt. When you don't know the answer, just move your mouth and say nothing. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. I know you know other people are doing this for meetings. Absolutely. You know that. I just... I, my, my mic's not working. I don't know I what's don't going know. on. There's, there's a problem. I don't know. Classic. Well, my mic is working, so I will close up this week's collection of Plops Clicks. Episode 53, Ken. Down the stretch we come. Speaking of which, did you watch the Kentucky Derby this week? I did. It's one of the highlights for our household every year. We play some bets legally <laughs> and uh, I only lost uh, $40. So I'm pretty happy okay. about that, but uh, anybody else? In the yeah. House great race. Up? And no, I was the only one betting. Okay. So were I place you... all the bets. I'm like the bookie and then I charge. So were you offended by the mispronunciation of Medina? Well, I have heard it different ways, but <laughs> my kids said Medina, they were so excited. And of course that's the horse that they wanted. And it was so yeah. exciting that it won. I mean, that was just classic. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard Medina. If you do Siri, it says Medina. So okay. they've heard that before. So okay, but that was fun. It was good. That was a good race. Well, next week on our show, we have comedy club owner and entrepreneur Scott Edwards. He has booked comedy shows with names like Leno, Seinfeld, Saget, and others. So he's going to talk about what it's like to own a comedy club and be an entrepreneur, and we're going to talk to him about 
How can you be 20, funny in 2021, considering the sensitive issues that have come up that were once okay to uh, kind of make a little fun of? Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's much different times now, and I look forward to talking to Scott, not just about that, but all these different businesses. I had the chance to read up on him a little bit, but learn about all these different businesses he owned. And obviously, I know the one that he really enjoyed was the certainly the comedy clubs, and I'm looking forward to that. I mean, anytime you say the name Seinfeld or anything like that, that's it opens your eyes, and I can't wait to hear some great stories. I know Scott will have them. Well, I hope he has some knock-knock jokes, too, because I've got one that I can share with him that'll just knock his socks off. I know. Do you want to try it out now? or? Yeah, let's do it now. I, I've been practicing. I think I said it maybe earlier in the show, but I think it gets better each time you say it. So, knock-knock. Who's there? I will say. I'll say who? Yes, they do. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.